Masechet Chagiga Daf Chaf Vav. We'll study Amud Aleph today, and then uh, tomorrow, uh, since the left off is very short, we'll do Amud Bet and uh, and the very end. So Mishnah teaches al uh, So here's the thing: in Jerusalem, as we're about to see. Uh, they did not have kilns to make uh, pottery uh, because of the smoke would uh, blacken the walls and bother people. So they had to be made outside. And if you're bringing a korban, you need a lot of pottery because uh, you keep going through them and become tamer very easily. And so therefore the rabbi said, if we say that people can only buy pottery from chaverim, there won't be enough pottery to go around and you can't make a gezera on the public that they can't follow. Therefore they made a leniency and said, you're allowed to buy pottery from Ameha Aretz and you can trust that you can use it for Kodesh. Okay, however, they did put a limitation on that and said, only if you buy it within a radius of uh, a circle where Jerusalem is the center of the circle and the city of Modi'in, which you can go there now, that's where the Hashmonaim came from, uh, is, the, is the edge. Uh, so if you're within this uh, within Modi'in, then that's fine, or anywhere around it. So that would include Jericho, even within the, uh, the Dead Sea. All that, we, uh, they're close enough to Jerusalem. And because of that, the people making the earthenware, they know people are going to be buying my earthenware to use for Kodashim. I better make sure that they don't become Tameh, and therefore we can trust them, it's necessary. Um, but if you go and buy it outside, all the way out in Haifa, over there, the Amehadis are not being careful because uh, people aren't buying it for Kodashim there. Ketzad. And the point of this is to show that all, all that matters is where the transaction happens. So even if the Kadad himself is from outside Modi'in and the buyer and all that, and they all come in, in and they pass this border. So uh, the Kadad that comes in, within, so the, the, the kadad, the pottery maker, and the pots themselves, and the buyer, as long as they're in, they're fine. If those very same people all travel out of the border, then they are no longer uh, trusted. So all that matters is where the transaction happens. You have to make sure it's within. All right, that's the Mishnah. Uh, the Gemara is going to deal with what about right on the border? So let's say the city of Modi'in itself it's not a dot, it's a big dot, and uh, it covers the border. Uh, so let's consider that whole dot to be like a kind of no man's land. Uh, what about that? The Gemara will ask, see from the first line, it says, from Modi'in and within is okay. That sounds like the Modi'in itself is within. But then it says, from Modi'in and outside is no good. That sounds like that no man's land on the border is like outside. So that the middle uh, uh, actual line or this actual city is going to be good sometimes, but not always. So let's see that borderline case, literally borderline case, Tana. Modi'in, pa'amim kilifnim, pa'amim kilachutz. Sometimes it's considered like inside the boundary, sometimes like outside the boundary. How so? Kesad, kadar kilifnim. If the people are traveling and the kadar, the pottery maker, is leaving, he's on his way out. He's within the city, let's say the city of Modi'in, or anywhere on the border. And so he's within, but he's going out. Whereas the buyer is outside, but he's coming in. 
So, and now they meet in the middle. They meet right within the city. In that case, we consider the city to be within because if he waits any longer, the Kadad is leaving and then he won't get a chance to buy anything. Uh, so he's coming in. So, you know, he's doing the right thing. He's going the right way. In that case, we are lenient and allow him to buy. That's Kadad Yosef, Nichnas. Then they are considered as if they're inside. However, if both of them are entering in, right, they were out, they were totally outside, they were in Haifa. They come, they're in, in Modi'in, and they are not staying in Modi'in, they're continuing to travel towards Jerusalem. In that case, they should not do the transaction in Jerusalem because why do it there? Why not just wait till you're further in, uh, right? So you're, you're both walking on the highway in the same way. So don't stop in my Modi'in, keep going till you're totally within the boundary and then do it. And so in that case, Modi'in itself is considered like outside. So too, if they are both leaving, they're both on their way out, they were both in Jerusalem and they went through Modi'in and they're now Modi'in and leaving on the way out, we say, no good, because why'd you wait all this time? You were traveling together. Why'd you wait till you got to the borderline? You should have bought it earlier. And therefore, to prevent people from doing that, they say, no, in that case, also, Modi'in itself, the borderline will be not good, be considered like it's outside, so that you should have bought from inside. Okay, there's only one case missing here, which is the opposite case. If the Kadad is entering and the Chaved is leaving, um, uh, yeah, the Kadad, the, the pottery maker is coming in, the Chaved is leaving, and it doesn't discuss that case. Uh, we shouldn't discuss it. It seems that that case would not be good because if the Chaved is leaving, we say, why are you leaving before you're buying it? You should have uh, went and bought it before. And so that in case also will be a case of a penalty. All right. And we have, we're going to back this up. Amad Abaye, Afanan Name Tanena. We can learn this from our Mishnah itself. Our Mishnah, remember that, that those two first clauses that are contradictory, it says, From the first line, it sounds like uh, the pottery maker who's selling his kedorot and he comes within modi'in, right, within the perimeter, then it's okay. Sounds like only because he's within the perimeter, but if he's on the perimeter, meaning that city itself, that city itself would be no good. Uh, but look at the Sefa. The next line says, Emma Sefa Yatsa Enoneman. If he leaves the city and goes outside the perimeter, then he's no good. Well, it sounds like only when he leaves the city outside, then he's no good. But Hamodin Gufa Neeman, but that city itself is okay. So, you know, these two clauses overlap. So, what do we do? Rather, two clauses are talking about, in fact, two different cases. If the pottery maker is leaving and the chaved who wants to buy is coming in, then we allow a leniency, otherwise, they'll miss each other. Uh, but in the other, all other cases, we say no, the city itself, the, the actual borderline is considered outside and you got to come further in uh, towards Jerusalem. And that is the conclusion. Tana. Okay, this rule, this leniency we just mentioned, we're going to see a couple of limitations on it. And the first one is 
um, that we are believed only regarding the Bamehadis are only regard, believed regarding small vessels, small earthenware vessels, right? The kinds that individuals would use and not the kind of the big storage vessels, vessels, because most people don't need those big storage, storage vessels. So the rabbis don't have to be lenient regarding those. Um, all right. So now how small is considered small? If it can be carried with one hand, then that's small, and that's what the rabbis are lenient about. And anywhere within that border, uh, you can you can buy these and use them for kodashim. Even if you can't hold it with one hand, as long as it's not a really big one, uh, that's fine. That's also considered small. All right, that's limitation one. Second, and we only trust the Nameha Aditz to sell us these small uh, earthenware vessels when they are empty, not if, they're, if, they're, if there's food in it. See, if there's food, we don't trust Ameha Aditz regarding food. If it's Kodesh food, and he says, oh, it's Kodesh food, then we do, then we do agree uh, that you can trust the Ameha because even Ameha Aditz are scared of Kodesh. But if it's full of regular food, a chulin, uh, a liquid in the, in the pot, then we do not, uh, we cannot buy it because, yeah, we trust you, we trust you regarding the pot, but not regarding the liquid. So only if it's empty. But Rabbi Yochanan again is more lenient. Rabbi Yochanan Amad, Afilu Meleim, Afilu even if this jug is full of regular oil, or even if there's clothing in it, usually if you get have clothing of Amaades, you have to assume that a Zav sat on it and it's uh, it's Tameh. Um, However, uh, says, no, we don't care about that. Uh, we still consider the jug to be tahor, even if there is something tameh in it when you buy it. Very interesting. Nadava explains, Rebiyochanan is not saying that that drink is actually tahor. We don't trust the drink of a chulin, drink of an ama'aretz. So the drink itself is tameh, but the pot is tahor. And now, if you feel like you're wondering, what, what's going on? How could this possibly be? If you're feeling astonished, then you're right to feel astonished, because the next line says, Va'altitma, don't be astonished. Right, uh, you might be astonished, because how could it be that I'm buying something? The jug you're telling me is okay, but the drink is not okay. But I'm buying both together. So if I trust them on one, I should trust them on another. If I don't trust them on one, don't trust them regarding the other. He says, no, don't, don't say that because back on Daf Kaf Bet, we actually had a case where the, the bowl and the inside uh, don't match in their status. Over there, we had a pitcher that was made out of metal that was full of a drink. And we said that the pitcher is Tameh. And the drink is tahor. That was the case where there was a corpse on the first floor and an earthenware vessel. And then this uh, thing, this jug on the second floor. And that was Bet Shammai. And he said, the drink is okay. Um, because the drink anyway, is only a good drink for Amaretz. We're not going to drink it anyway. The metal pitcher is no good because a chaver would borrow the metal pitcher. And he might think, oh, I can borrow it and use it. No. So we have to say it's tameh so that the chaver will know to uh, dip it. 
Um, okay, these are all Dirabanan uh, things that it's not for sure that we know the, that this liquid is Tameh or this pitcher is Tameh. It's Dirabanan, but so because these are Dirabanan Gezerot, uh, so sometimes they're not even. And so you can have such a case where we um, do apply the Gezerah on one item, but not the other, even though they're actually touching each other. All right, that was very interesting. Next Mishnah. Fantastic case. You have tax collectors in the olden days, not like the IRS that actually work, uh, you know, our government workers. But in those days, the government would farm out the tax collection to uh, the highest bidder. So suddenly, you know, any thugs would come and say, oh, we'll do a good job and collect taxes for you, the government. And the problem is that these gabain, they're actually kind of similar to thieves because, you know, if they extracted a little extra from, uh, from the citizens, uh, then they get to keep the rest. So sometimes you had a Jewish tax collector uh, that's working for a non-Jewish government. So if this uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish tax collector comes into your house uh, because maybe you didn't pay and they want to go and, and you know, seize your property. And while they're in there, well, they assume, we assume they're amiharets. While they're in there, they're looking through, rummaging through your drawers, opening things, touching things, causing tumah. So, uh, so then if anything they touch, we have to assume it's tameh. Similarly, a thief breaks into your house and returns the item. After he steals it, he returns. I'm sorry, I made teshuvah. I return your item. Both of these groups are believed to say, Lo naganu. we didn't touch it, right? We didn't touch this item uh, over here and it's okay. So this is really interesting. Although they're thieves and thugs, but um, they're pious when it comes to Tumah. And they're believed to say that if a certain object in the house they didn't touch, then we believe that to say that they didn't touch them. All right. Now, this is a separate clause. In Jerusalem, are credible regarding sacrificial food throughout the year because they're in Jerusalem and there's always people bringing sacrifices. So then this Jerusalem has a special status. It's kind of like, you know, rings. Jerusalem is always believed within Modi'in. They're believed all year round regarding small pots and outside, no. Um, and now during the holiday, right, uh, when everyone's coming uh, for the Chag, for Yom Tov, then the, we, we trust Ameh even regarding Tirumah, right? So as we said, all year round, regarding Kodesh, the Amehadis will be careful, at least in Jerusalem. And uh, on the holiday, now on the holiday, everyone comes in from wherever they are and they make themselves pure because they're going to be, be involved and they want to give their Tirumah and they want to eat their Kodeshim. So on the holiday itself, they are pure for Kodesh and even for Tirumah. Okay, so now we're going back to the first case. Urminhu, we have a challenge from another Mishnah in Masechet Tehorot that says, if these, not, if these Jewish tax collectors who are Amehaaretz come into your house to seize some property, everything in the house you have to assume is Tameh because they probably went and rummaged through everything to find uh, some valuables. So how are we going to resolve our Mishnah and Mishnah and Teharot? One is if the non-Jewish official is with them 
and other sources where the non-Jewish official is not with them. Now, which one's which is a machloket between Rashi and Rambam. Rashi assumes that the non-Jewish official being with them makes it worse. If the non-Jewish official is there, he's going to be like, oh, don't stop there, look through this, look through that. Then the non-Jewish official is going to be meaner than the Jewish tax collector. Um, however, Rambam assumes the opposite, that the, ta- the Jewish tax collector, if he's alone, then he's going to go look through everything because he can keep more for himself. If the, non- if the government official is there with, with him, then he will make sure that the tax collector only takes as much as he's supposed to and follows the protocol and doesn't rummage through the entire house. So let's try uh, with the Rambam. According to that, I mean, that would mean that in, the, uh, in Tahadot, where it says the whole house is Tameh, that's when the Jewish tax collector was by himself. And our Mishnah that says he's believed to say, I touched this, but I didn't touch that. That is talking about when there is the government official who's keeping an eye on him, that he's not going to overstep his boundaries. OK, good. And here's a proof. If there is a government, non-Jewish government official with him, then he is believed to say, I didn't go in. I didn't go into this house at all. I didn't go into this room at all. Um, And so the Jewish, uh, that's believed because the non-Jewish official is with him. And so that he will be limited um, and in what he does. But once you, they did actually go into a certain area, then they're not believed to say, yeah, we went in, but we didn't touch. No, once they, they went in, you have to assume that they did, in fact, touch what was in there. Okay. Now we're asking, what exactly is the difference if the non-Jewish official is with them or not? Uh, so there's two opinions. One says, because the fear of the non-Jewish officials is upon him. So he's going to therefore behave uh, and uh, not, uh, not overstep and not touch everything in every room. And the other says, no, the Jewish tax collector doesn't care about the official himself. The official is just a low-level official, but he is afraid of the government because the official may go back to the uh, back to the uh, uh, office in uh, the actual government, and they will say, "Oh, why'd you do that?" And then give him, you know, uh, fire him or punish him. Okay, what's the difference? What's my Ben? What's the difference if he's afraid of the this official itself or only afraid of the official reporting to someone else? If this official himself is not such an important guy and doesn't have senior authority, then he'll say, ah, he's a, this guy doesn't know what he's doing anyway. I'm not afraid of him. And uh, then the Jewish tax collector may go and uh, cause more tum'ah. Um, if it's only if it's only if he's not afraid of him, um, but if he is afraid of him, then there wouldn't be a difference between these two opinions. OK, you can see how she would uh, interpret it the opposite way. Um, if the non-Jewish collector, non-Jewish tax collector is with him, then he would say, oh, you better go, you know, Jewish tax collector and go and rummage through everything because maybe you didn't find something. Whereas if he's by himself or he doesn't care about the uh, this official, then the Jewish tax collector will be nicer. OK, it's very interesting that these are completely opposite ways of reading the same situation. Um, all right, the note here says that Rambam must have a different text. 
but I checked the manuscripts are all the same. I think it's the same text, but two different assumptions about how the government works versus these, uh, you know, the thief type of tax collectors. All right, now to the thief himself. Right, the not the thief that returns the item and he says, you know, it's pure. We can believe him. Hold on, we have another mishnah in Tarot that says that when thieves enter the house, any place that he walked is tameh. Um, now, if you didn't go into a room, sometimes the thieves don't go into every room. They're afraid maybe the homeowner is in this room or they only go to a room where the valuables are likely to be. And so a room that he didn't go into, everything's tahor. But any room that he did go into, we have to assume everything is tameh. And that contradicts our Mishnah because our Mishnah says, if he's a type of uh, thief that returns an item and as he's returning, he says, oh, by the way, I didn't touch the, that vase over there then we believe him, even though he went into the room. So which one is it? Oh, because our Mishnah is talking about when he made Teshuvah. That's why he's believed. If he's honest enough to return the, the stolen item, then he's believed also to say, listen, I touched this thing, but I didn't touch that thing. Whereas if he's not the type that makes Teshuvah, if he doesn't make Teshuvah, then he's not trustworthy, he's not honest for, for money, and he's not going to be honest for anything else. And then we do not, then we have to assume that anything in any room that he went into is Tameh. And in fact, the Mishnah is precise because it says only if he returned uh, what he stole. Uh, that's the only case in which we would believe him. Next clause will be to Shalem Nemanin Ala Kodesh. In Jerusalem, all year round, we trust the Me'aris regarding sacrificial food. Tana Nemanin Al Kelecheres Kasin. La Kodesh. And in Jerusalem, Baraita is adding, not only do we trust them regarding food, in Jerusalem, we trust Ameha Aritz regarding big pots, right? We said before that small pots, we trust them in the entire radius until Modi'in. In Jerusalem itself, Sometimes there are some people that need big pots, uh, the temple treasury, right? Uh, uh, certain uh, uh, wealthy people will have to store a lot of Kodesh. And so they do need big pots. They're trusted in Jerusalem. And they were wondering, why are the rabbis actually so lenient to say, yeah, you can trust its pots in Jerusalem and small pots you can even trust on Tomodi'in? And the answer is because we do not have kilns in Jerusalem uh, so that the smoke doesn't uh, destroy the air quality and soot get all over the nice white Jerusalem stone. And because of that, there's uh, it's hard to get pots and uh, and earthenware is easily easily becomes tameh. You have to keep breaking it and buying new ones. And that's why the rabbis are lenient because they know that it's hard to get. And if if they don't allow uh, some these leniencies, then people won't be able to prepare and cook and store their kodashim. Bishat haregel af al during the holiday season itself, the amehaaretz. Uh, are trusted even regarding Tirumah. This is like today, you know, there's uh, some people, you might know them, that during the rest of the year, they're not so careful regarding Kashrut, they eat out, they eat this and that. But when it comes to Pesach, 
all of a sudden they're super machmir, they're more machmir than the, than the chief rabbis, right? And so, so too back then, even during the rest of the year, they weren't so careful regarding Tuma and Tahara. When it came time for the holiday, they were super machmir, and you can trust them for Kodesh and for Tiruma. What's the source for this? That says that every all of Israel gathered to the city like one person. Now it means friends, but uh, the rabbis are taking here to mean like a chaver the official person who commits himself to the highest level of purity. So when uh, B'nai Israel gathers into the city, meaning into Jerusalem, for the holiday, then we treat everybody like chaverim, and that therefore they are trusted. The context of the, very nice, very nice idea. However, the context of Shoftim is the story of Pelegesh Pigiv'ah. It's talking about when all the tribes ganged up against the city of Giv'ah, who did the terrible, terrible act uh, to take revenge and uh, war and come to war and destroy the city. So the context isn't so uh, peaceful and happy, um, but the uh, but still has the word chaverim. So that's what we're focusing on to make a play on words of chaverim and those who join that Chabura. Uh, Talmud Yerushalmi has a different pasuk, uh, says Yerushalayim, Ke'ir uh, Chubera uh, Yachdav, uh, a city that's all together and also has the word Chaber there, and that's actually a much nicer context. Uh, but either way, the point is, whenever B'nai Sel come together, they want to all be at the same level, and therefore we make this special dispensation on the holiday because we want everyone to come and enjoy the holiday together. And if we're going to exclude most people because we're going to assume that everything they have is Tameh, then it's not going to be such a joyous holiday with only uh, 3% of the population. And so therefore, um, we, the rabbis go out of their way to uh, trust the people, and the people also really were more careful during the holiday than, than the rest of the year. All right, and next, next Mishnah says, "Hapotech et chavito v'matchil beisato al gav haregel." The Biuda Omer Igmor, Chachamim Omerim Lo Igmor. This is a consequence of the previous Mishnah, because everyone is believed is trusted to be tahor. Therefore, the people who are selling barrels of wine or selling dough during the holiday season, during the holiday itself. Um, and so let's say they uh, start selling a, a piece of dough or they open up a barrel of wine and they start selling it. But let's say they didn't finish the entire thing. And so the last day of the holiday came and the holiday's finished and they still have, he still has half, half a barrel of wine left to sell. And now what's he going to do on the holiday? It's no problem because he can, uh, even though it's Amaharitz uh, came and touched it and all that on the holiday, we trust Amaharitz. But now the holiday's over. Now what? Right? What do we say that? Oh, Amehadis, we're touching it all the past few days. Does it now revert to being Tameh and he can't sell it anymore? Or do we say that um, he can sell it? After all, we don't want the guy to, you know, not open a new barrel because he might not finish it. Right? We want him to open it. And so do we say because on the holiday they were trusted? So too, even though the holiday is over, we still continue and let him finish the barrel. So that's a machlok of Yudah Omer Yigmod. Yudah says, if you open the barrel already on the holiday, then we continue the trustworthiness 
uh, status and you can continue selling it until you finish that barrel. Sorry, cut off point. The holiday is over uh, and Amehadas are no longer trusted. And now this barrel, you cannot finish uh, selling it. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Yatev Rami Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Yitzchak Napacha. So these two rabbis, Rabbi and Rabbi Yisrael were sitting on the courtyard of the ladder of the Rabbi Yisrael sitting in the courtyard. And so one of them asked an interesting question. What about if, um, I mean, it would really apply to Chachamim, right? Chachamim say you have a half a barrel of wine, you said you can't sell it. Okay, so you can't sell it right then, but can you keep it close it up again and keep it till the next holiday. On the next holiday, then we reinstate the rule that Amehadis are trusted. And so in between they're not trusted, but now they're trusted. Can I sell it again on the next holiday? That's the question, right? Or do you say, um, no, well, now that uh, Amehadis are not trusted anymore after the holiday, now retroactively, any Amehadis who came and touched it, you know, everybody's taking a sampling and dipping their fingers in it. Um, and now, now that we don't trust them, retroactively becomes Tameh, and therefore it's Tameh forever, even on the next holiday. Okay, really good question. Amale Idach, the other sage, whoever it was, says, Yada Oh, everybody, everybody's hands are touching it. And you say, leave it over to the next holiday. That's it. It's already Tameh, just from the Amea Aretz, who throughout the holiday were touching it on that first holiday. So we ignore it on the holiday itself. But once the holiday is done, now it becomes Tameh for good. So the other sage responded, wait, this whole time on the holiday, everybody was touching it, but it was okay because on the holiday, we assume that everybody's tahar. So fine, the holiday finished, but it should still retain the status as tahar. So close it up now so no one else touches it. Open it on next holiday, and then it should be good. All right. There's no, it's not the same. Until now, the tum'av ama'aretz rachamana, Hashem makes it tahar. It's, it's as if on the holiday, really, the ama'aretz are tameh. But we kind of overlook it. And Achamana says you can treat them like Tahor. But once the holiday ends, then reality sets in again. And their Tum'ah that was actually there all along comes into play and it becomes Tameh. So it's a really interesting question, you know, is it that they we consider them actually Tahor? Or are they actually Tahor? Or they're really Tameh, but for the purposes of the joy of the holiday, we overlook it and we're lenient, but that's it. The leniency we only applies on the holiday. All right. So this interesting theoretical question of how to how, how to understand it with a practical consequence of can you keep it till next year or not? So uh, they, that discussion does not, they don't answer it in that discussion. However, they do say, maybe it's a machloket tanaim, because we have two baraitot that happen to address this and these they're opposite baraitot. One Baraita says, leave it till the next till the next uh, holiday. The other Baraita says, don't leave it till the next holiday. My love, Tanaehi. So there you go. That's the answer to our question is that it's a machloket already from the time of the Tanaim. Uh, and so both of these uh, possibilities have a valid proof. All right. 
And we say, la, no, these two b'raitot are, we're not talking about that matter of this, this question. Rather, those two b'raitot actually line up with the two opinions in our Mishnah. We'll see one way, and then we're going to switch it around. The one, the Baraita that says, leave it over to another holiday, that would be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says, you can continue selling it after the holiday. So either way, sell it after the holiday, wait till the next holiday. You, it's, it's considered totally tahor, and whoever touched it during the holiday, they are tahor, and it's okay. And the opinion that says, do not leave it over to the next holiday, that would make sense with Rabbanan, who say, once the holiday is over, all that touching during the holiday actually now retroactively makes it tameh, so you cannot sell it ever again, not now, and not on the next holiday. All right, so um, uh, so we line up this machloket with the machloket in the Mishnah. But then we say, no, betizbira, this can't be. The Buddha and the Mishnah says, you can finish it. That means right away. Right after the holiday, you finish selling it. If you finish selling it right away, there's no need to wait till the next regel comes. So that can't be the Buddha. Rather, we're going to switch the attributions of these two anonymous paraitot and say the one that says, don't leave it till the next holiday, that's Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda would say, you could leave it to the next holiday, but you don't ha- even have to leave it to the next holiday because you can sell it right away. So sell it right away and don't bother leaving it to the next holiday. And the one who says, do leave it to the next holiday, that is actually Rabbanan. Because Rabbanan say you cannot sell it right after the, this holiday finishes. So now what are you going to do with it? Oh, close it up and seal it. It's okay, you can save it till the next holiday. And so actually, we do have an answer uh, at the end, once we have this attribution, that Rabbanan, uh, both Rabbi Yudan and Rabbanan would permit uh, to sell on the next holiday. The only question is, can you sell it right away? Okay, when we said, and don't leave it for the Yehuda, he means uh, does, you don't need to leave it um, till the next holiday because you can sell it immediately. All right, very interesting. And now uh, the last Mishnah for today. Once the Yom Tov is finished, once the holiday is finished, then the Kohanim will pass through the entire courtyard of the Bet HaMikdash and purify everything. Um, we make a play on words of Mishavad and Ma'avirin. The holiday passed by, and now the Kohanim also passed through. So in other words, this is similar to what we just said. Even though on the, on the Chag itself, we assume everyone's Tahar, everything's Tahar, because you know the, uh, the, we must celebrate as planned. But the second it's over, we suspect that there might have been some people, right, of the, all the many tens of thousands of people that came, there might have been even one or two who were actually tameh and touched things around and brought Tumat to the Bet HaMikdash. And therefore, we have to do a thorough cleansing, right? This is not a pre-Pesach, but a post-Pesach cleansing was even more important than the pre-Pesach cleansing. Okay. However, if the last day of Yom Tov uh, was on Thursday, and so Thursday night, Yom Shishi, that's not enough. Only one day Yom Shishi, they not enough time to cleanse everything and prepare for Shabbat. So in that case, they would continue to use the everything in the Bet HaMikdash in the same status of 
presumed tahara until after Shabbat. And then on Sunday, then they would cleanse everything. Rebiudah extends this and says, even if the last day of Yom Tov was on Wednesday, and then you have Yom Chamishi and Yom Shishi, Thursday and Friday to cleanse the Beit HaMikdash, that's also not enough time uh, to cleanse everything. And so in that case also, we would extend and say, oh, it was Tahod, everybody was around, even though it's not the holiday anymore, we don't, we can't, we don't have a chance to clean it now. So we got to presume it's Tahod, uh, but on Sunday, then they will go back. The reality sets in and said, eh, there were probably Tamei people around and we have to um, uh, go ahead and uh, uh, and cleanse everything. Uh, explaining this last line, what are they so busy with? They, they need two days uh, because of the Deshen, the ashes. So many people bring Korbanot on the holiday, not only Korbanot that are for the holiday, any Korbanot that they promised all year round that they had to give a Chatat, Todah, they're bringing them on the holiday while they come to the Bet HaMikdash. And because of all that burning, there's so there's such a big pile of ashes on the Mizbeach that it takes more than a day to clean it off. And that's why they need so much time. I think what you see in these in these Mishnah, in this discussion, is the uh, tension that's always between an ideal and practical, right? Ideally, we want to keep everything to the highest level, but we also have to make practical concessions because otherwise we won't be able to ever have Kodashim, ever have pottery, ever allow, ever have Ol Benesil come to one place and actually celebrate. And so it's really interesting to see how the rabbis deal with this tension for the maximum balance of each. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.